Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 295. That's 295. It's the ENS Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Judah. Delighted to be joined by Mr. Liam Keane. Liam, we're remote. We're in different countries yet again this week. Uh, how's it going? It's going very well, my friend. It's going very well. Um, you're jet setting again, aren't you? So nice of you to uh, be working hard as usual, uh, you know, hey, listen, in, in the Wolverhampton office, aren't you? Listen, you know, I'm happy to carry on working wherever I am in the world. And that's the most important thing, Liam. Wolves were on the beach on Saturday, so I decided to join them on Sunday and um, get myself off to, to Cyprus. Well, if you can't beat them, you've got to join them. Well, I guess you can beat them quite easily. Well, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a fair point. Yeah, maybe the wrong choice of words there. Um, no, like, no, I, can't, uh, I can't knock your uh, I can't knock your commitment. You're you're here. We're we're building our way up to the life party, and you wouldn't dare miss a podcast. The um the most important thing, of course, it's got nothing to do with the fact that we've got to somehow get to 299 podcasts for three months, and that's why we're uh, we're still recording. <laughs> it's uh, it's an interesting one. No, uh, I am here. Uh, not not due. Well, obviously, obviously, it's a lovely place to. But I'm at a wedding, mate. I'm at a wedding on Wednesday. You might know him. I do, I do. Our friend, uh, well, I say friend. He's obviously now at Albion, so uh, I, I, I use the word friend loosely. But, uh, no. Mr. Luke Hatfield, yes, he's uh, he's getting married. Yes. So nice of him to um, to invite all of his former colleagues. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, yes, very, I mean, I've seen the view that you've got. So yeah, you, you look like you're in a, a very nice, very nice place. I'm very jealous. I tell you what, when you get to my old age, mate. I I mean, there's. I've kind of gone through a lot of the weddings probably like five or six years ago, but there's, I've had two in in as many weeks now from absolutely nowhere. And I've got to admit, one was one was sleeping in a tent in the middle of a field in Norwich. And this one is in a beautiful hotel where we've got an upgrade to the presidential suite, by the way. Um, and um, looking out onto the ocean, I think I know what I prefer. I think I like a destination wedding, to be honest. And I mean Norwich has got beautiful scenery. Um, <laughs> is it uh, is it just you out there, or is Alana going with you as well? Uh, I mean she's here, uh, kicking around somewhere. But she's I somewhere. Know, like it's somewhere kicking around, mate. But uh, this is the most important thing. I've just oh, there's a jet ski going across here now. It reminds me of Benidorm, waiting for you to come uh, for our pre pre jet ski before the before the match, mate. And uh, you've been in bed going, I think I've got to give it a miss, mate. I really wish heavy. I'd done it because I want, I've, I've never been on jet ski before. But I, I think not just the fact that I wasn't very well, but also mm. time. I don't think I could have physically got there in time to do it because I, oh, I would have mate, had to. No. It would have been a twenty-minute walk, well, minimum twenty-minute walk, and I would have had to probably jog that. And there was no way I was going to fit no. safely running. No, it was a good. It was a good probably mile walk from our apartment, and I think the jet ski we'd booked it for like one of one thirty maybe. It was an evening game. We had to obviously be there for the afternoon. Can't remember who the second game was against, to be honest, Liam. Oh, it was Besiktas, I think. Besiktas, yeah, of course it was. Um, and you got into bed. What time did you get to sleep that day or it, that morning? It, it, you actually, you actually had it later. I think you had it closer to three three p.m. because I woke up about that time and had loads <laughs> of messages from you. Um, and then as oh, I was right, because I was at, I was at the bar trying to buy. I was buying some some of our wolf's friends a bit of a, a free beer. You and, you, you uh, were like, oh, I'll give Liam an extra hour to try to yes. wake up and respond. And you sat there waiting for me. And then I I woke up <laughs> as you were like, right, I'm going to jump on the jet ski now. Yeah. So that was about three in the afternoon. I went to bed at just gone seven in the morning. <laughs> you love to see it. It's oh a good shift, God. isn't it? It's a good. It shift. Is a, it is a good shift. It's a good shift. So yeah, Luke gets married on Wednesday. Bless him. Um, I mean, about time too. I think he's been with his, his Mrs. Lucy for about 14 years. Kino, you're not going to do that. You're not going to spend 14 years with um, with the old Rosie and uh, and and not get married. I mean, she's going she's going to want a rock. Well, I rock. I'm 27 this year, very very end of the year. I've only just turned 26, mm. but I'm 27 mm. this year, and we will have been together uh, 11 years next month. 11 so... years. So there's a very good chance we could be getting to 14 plus. <laughs> very, very good chance. <laughs> 11 years, really? She's so a lucky were, woman. You were, together, you were together at uni as well. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we were 15 when we when we when when she bagged herself uh, number one. Um, <laughs> oh, and yeah, well, we were at uni the whole time. You were just holding hands at 15 though, Kino, because you know. Oh, of, of course, of course. Okay, just gonna no say, problem. just gonna put that out there. No one's listening to this. So 15 years old. Okay, interesting. <laughs> What are you playing? Pass the parcel. 
You are a nasty, nasty guy. What do you mean? I'm just saying, you know, don't want the lawyers on us. Crikey. <laughs> huh? Oh, dear. Anyway, where do we get to? Right, should we, should we move? We better move on very quickly. Um, right, Keto, 72 hours after the, the anarchy at the Amex, um, as I'm going to call it. Uh, What's your thoughts? Have you, have you changed in your cha- changed your opinion um, from obviously we reacted to it very quickly as, as we do um, in our post match analysis. But you know it's had time to a bit of time to sink in now. Um, are your points still valid? Do you feel the same? Have you had a little bit of time to reflect and maybe um, have a few more opinions on the game because it was an insane game of football for the wrong reasons and. You know, I think we both said at the same time, I didn't see that coming. I know that Wolves have been poor. They've been beaten well this season. They've beaten well at Manchester City. But I did think that, well, I didn't think that they had that kind of a hind and hiding in them. Um, and I guess it was a bit of a reality check, I think, for a lot of different factors that we'll come on to. But most important of all, the fact that, you know, a lot of these players are, um, I, I think, in a lot, of, a lot of trouble with their future Wolves going forward. Or, or they're definitely put in jeopardy for some of them and it was a it was a shocking performance wasn't it it definitely was um yeah all, all of the i suppose analysis and points that i made after the game i still think are absolutely valid um what i'll come back to which we didn't really discuss after the game was that the the, the way that lopatigi set the game up really um and set wolves up i, I didn't like the starting 11 when i first saw it um but at the same time didn't expect a 6-0 batter in the way it was mm. and for me i just felt like he overthought it a little bit um, again, playing four central midfielders. I know not all playing centrally, but it, it just screamed overthinking the game, preparing for Brighton's uh, dangers, which ironically most of them are on the bench in the end anyway. Yeah. But preparing for Brighton's dangers um, and not maybe having more confidence in what Wolves could have done. Um, and particularly the way that they were coming into the game. I know they lost at Leicester, but they did beat Palace. They played this 4 4 2 the last three or four games. And and, and they were feeling a bit more dangerous and a bit more together, a bit more organised. Um, and then to, to sort of throw that out the window for a one-off game away from home felt like a mistake. I think it was right. turned out to be in the end. Um, but what I will say, and coming out the back of this and hopefully taking, squeezing a positive out of it, if I can, is that we didn't expect that to happen before the game. And now we're a few days after it. I don't expect it to happen again. I don't expect... I, I expect it to be an isolated incident where this wall team doesn't crumble the way they did um, for a second time. I know there's only four games left, so there's there's not exactly many opportunities for them to do it. But at the same time, I feel like that isn't Wolves. It wasn't Lopetegui's Wolves. And I don't think we'll see it in the same manner uh, in these next four games. It was quite staggering to watch it. And, and, you know, the game kind of passed me by, really, by the fact the fact of just being in sheer shock. And we were, it was a bizarre positioning for us in the press box where you were on a little single table I was on a single table in front of you so I had to keep on turning back every one minute to discuss just and just literally well sometimes I didn't have to say anything just absolute stunned at, at some of the players and some of the mistakes and some of the passages of play that, that Wolves had in that game and said on the on the previous podcast Liam I said that Wolves would be a dangerous proposition now because they're essentially safe and they could go and maybe pl- go to Brighton play with a bit more freedom and and really have a go and, and maybe take those stabilizers off to a certain extent, enjoy the football. You went down the line of he won't change too much. And I feel like he went completely the other way and went super, super um, defensive minded, you know, more than even you thought you expected. And that was definitely a surprise. And look, there's, there's, there's mistakes that's been made by Lopetegui, absolutely, as, as is going to happen with any manager any time of the season. This isn't just, you know, Lopetegui is making errors and 19 other managers are, you know, are obviously, you know, making, making the right calls all the time. It just doesn't happen like that. Pep Guardiola is making mistakes. Klopp's making mistakes. All these top managers, Arteta's making mistakes. So let's not, let's not say that they're not. But at the same time, he will have lots of, learnt a lot, I think, by his, his decisions and also some of those players out there, three of which I'm going to discuss in a little bit. Yeah, and absolutely right. You know, everyone makes mistakes, but I also didn't understand quite what Wolves were trying to do. Even now, I, I, I struggle to actually put it into words what it was, what the game plan was, what they were trying to achieve. Because there were moments when Neto sort of started a bit more centrally next to Costa. I think that was sort of the initial plan. Um, 
you would argue that would probably be a bit of a diamond in midfield because Gomez wasn't really playing out on the right, um, whereas Nunes was sort of out on the left. So it, it was very lopsided. It didn't really make a lot of sense. Then partly through the first half, Neto drifts out to the right. So there just seemed to be gaps all across the field. I didn't quite understand what it was they were trying to achieve with the formation. Um, it wasn't really a 4-4-2. It wasn't really a 4-3-3. It wasn't a 4-2-3-1. It, it, it was somewhere in between all of them, which it sounds bizarre, but um, as a result of that, the players seemed lost. Gomez, who I, I didn't think had a particularly bad game in comparison to everyone else, but obviously no one particularly had a good game. Um, he didn't really know where he was playing. Nunes out on the left, and obviously played on the left, then played on the right, then played right back, then played right wing back. Um, had an awful afternoon. I know we'll come on to him. And all of these players didn't really know, it seemed to me, what the game plan was meant to be. And and Wolves were caught between two minds, making mistakes, and Brighton took advantage of that. And, and I have to make sure I, I make this clear. As bad as Wolves were, Brighton were equally as good. The goals were handed to them on a plate. There's no doubt about that. They didn't have to work particularly hard to score the goals, but at the same time, Brighton were a very good team and, and they took those chances really quite nicely and, and just creating the kind of chances that they that they had as well. So I've got to give them credit. And um, I think the way that they're run and the way that they're, they're playing at the moment, they deserve all the credit in the world because they really are a well-run club and a very good team. But at the same time, Wolves were just as bad and handed it to them so easily. Uh, I, I think, like you say, a 6 nil drubbing against a team that were banging form I needed to react after after that defeat at Nottingham Forest. And we both agree that they were the better side against Manchester United into the, in that semi-final. They're playing great football. And the fact that they did rest five, and that was the most disappointing thing for me. The score was on the day. Danny Welbeck, who struggled to get anywhere near double figures for Brighton in the season. I think he's only on six or seven. Um, Dennis Sundav, who got one of his, you know, doesn't start a lot of games. And he he was made to like a world beater, scoring his first two Premier League goals of the season. So this wasn't a side that were beaten by, yeah, they had a good side, but, you know, the likes of Alexis McAllister and, um, you know, Matoma that were on the bench. I mean, this was, I've got to say the extent of the, let's be honest, Liam, 6-0 defeat. I mean, that could have been close to 10. I mean, this this wasn't 6-0 and everything went in for them and it was a strange game. There were chances that were missed by Brighton. 6-0 did not flatter them whatsoever. And I guess the most disappointing thing is, yes, you do have one of those days. You've got to put it down to a bit of an anomaly. But at the same time, I think you'd be pushed to find that Wolves performance playing as any other 18, of the, 18 other clubs in that Premier League, excluding Brighton, where they would have got anything, any any kind of a point against any of them because it was that bad. Like, they got beaten by all the Premier League. It was, it was just it was just so, so dire. No, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you could count the number of chances that Brighton had that they didn't score as well. And, and um, every time, that it, particularly that first half, I think the first probably half an hour of that first half, to be really specific, every time they went forward, they looked like scoring. Every time they went forward, I peeped over your shoulder in the uh, as you were sitting in front of me and said, this is going in, this is going in, because Wolves were all over the place. Um, and I can't stress that enough for, for any Wolves fan who might not, that maybe didn't travel there to watch the game and didn't want to watch the the, the highlights in, out of fear of uh, ruining your Saturday or Sunday. Um, and, and I don't blame you, by the way. To make it clear to those people that haven't seen it, Wolves were absolutely all over the shop. I mean, I can't describe it any more than that, that every opportunity Brighton had going forward, Wolves were carved through. And I could go through every single player, really, defensively, and come up with several different uh, moments in which uh, they either got chance or scored goals. But Enciso played out on uh, out on the left. He's normally sort of a 10, but he played out wide. He was absolutely demolishing Tomato out on that side. I, I, he's only 18 as well. I mean, he, he looks a real player. Yeah, um, right. Out on out on the other side, Sonny March was getting a lot of joy. Bueno did slightly better than his, than his defensive counterparts, but that's been kind, to be honest, because no one particularly played well. Um, Dawson positioning not very good for the first goal and obviously came off at half-time. Um, Kilman at fault for at least two goals. Um, the worst one for me was... Um, actually, I can't even say a worst one. I'll have to give you both of the examples. Uh, the, the, the first, the second Brighton goal, first pass goal, gross goal. Um, he just drifts into no man's land and allows Grosses to walk through. It's such a bizarre thing to do. And Grosses dances into the space and takes the goal. 
Um, then the Welbeck, his his first one, Brighton's fourth goal, all over the place in the air, doesn't jump, allows Welbeck to head home at the far post. Um, then Collins comes on, hands the ball straight to Welbeck for his second early in the second half. Uh, no one defensively had a good game. I could go through all of the goals and pick yeah, out faults. Just, just so poor. So three players I want to concentrate on, I guess, a little bit. I'm not going to go on for, you know, five, six, seven minutes, but I think three players that maybe need talking about. First one, well, we've mentioned a few of them, but Mateus Nunes had just had one of the, the worst games of football, probably, I'm assuming, his professional career, if not the worst. Uh, I haven't seen you play ratings, Liam. I know we kind of briefly discussed them on the way back. But a two out of ten. Uh, I assume that's the, the lowest mark you've ever given since you've been Wolves reporter. And quite rightly so, because it was. We've seen... We've said that Matthias Nunes has been bubbling for a long time, and then he produced some of his best displays in the Wolves shirt when, when Ruben Neves was out of the side. Um, scored a crucial goal, of course, against Chelsea, absolute stunner. And we thought, oh, here we go. We've, this is the play that we've been waiting for. But one of the worst displays, whether he plays in central midfield or on the right or on the left or right back, and he was moved all over the place. But goodness me, how he came back out in that second half, I'll only know because um, he was just absolutely absolutely woeful on the day and um yeah i mean he's you know people talk about a move to liverpool i mean he's kissing it goodbye and he's playing himself out of a move because just uh just an atrocious showing and I'm, I'm sure he'll be the first one to be incredibly frustrated at that no absolutely um i'll start this by saying um it, it wasn't for a lack of trying and i and i i will I will say that because I don't think he's ever been guilty of that this season. And under, and he deserves me to at least say that about him because he did it's keep fair. plugging it's away. He, he did, he, as you say, I was surprised he stayed on the pitch, but he did and he played in four different positions um, and it wasn't for a lack of trying. But unfortunately, every time almost that he touched the ball, there was some sort of mistake. Um, it started pretty early for him in the game, uh, giving the ball away in midfield a couple of times. One of them directly leading to a goal as well. Um, really, really poor. Moved to right back, saw out the end of the uh, end of the first half, and I, and I tweeted at the time thinking, surely there's a one percent chance that he, that he comes out at right back in the second half. Um, <laughs> turns out I was right because he came out in right wing back instead. Um, but I, I honestly gobsmacked. I know that Johnny wasn't there. I know that Ignori wasn't there. Who you are obviously both fullbacks, but Totti Gomez has played left back. I know right back's different, but you would imagine he'd be a more natural fit. Collins and Dawson have both played right back before. Do you keep a back four and play one of those players there? I, I don't know necessarily whether they would have done better against Matoma when he eventually came on because they're not, none of those are the quickest. I mean, Totti's probably the quickest of them, but he's not a natural right footer. Um, but Matoma was absolutely ripping Nunes to shreds when he came on. It was every time he was going the outside of him, dancing beyond him, getting mm. into the box, putting crosses in, having opportunities on goal. And then the massive. I mean, I'm not, giving, I'm not going to give him two. two I mean, you know, playing at right back, right? It's not a right wing back, is he? So, no, of course but it was. Not, it was, but it was. It was this in, in central midfield in that first half where he was just as bad, if not worse. No, absolutely. I mean, the, the amount of times he gave the ball away um, was incredible. I've never, I've never seen him or probably a Wolves player do it that many times in in, in a forty-five minutes, to be honest. Um, and then the big highlight mistake that everyone's going to watch, where um, for the sixth goal when he comes across from from right wing back comes all the way across into almost left centre-back position, which is a bizarre position for him to pop up in the first place. Shows for the ball, um, which he shouldn't be doing in the first place. Saar plays in the ball, which he shouldn't be doing in the first place. Uh, Matoma and Undav both close him down and he loses the ball to Undav, who, who, don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a brilliant finish to chip over Saar, but both players massively at fault there. And it's just such a stupid goal for Wolves to be conceding. Um I, I did feel for him a little bit because, as I say, it's not for a, a lack of trying, but he was he was just dreadful. There's no other way to describe it. But you can understand the criticism. I mean, look, this kid's thirty-eight million pounds is coming here. You know, Liam, this isn't someone who they brought in for five or six or ten. Or this is a, a player, you know, a marquee player, and a marquee signing. And Wolves have spent a lot of money on players this year. Some who are here, some aren't even at the club anymore. They've gone on loan for, for massive money. I mean, there comes a there comes a, a time when these are going to start biting you in the backside. Uh, you know, whether they're going to be at the club going forward or they're not, or they're going to be sold. Um, you know, you can't have those performances. And if you are going to lose Ruben Neves in the summer, if you're going to keep Mateus Nunes, if he doesn't go and have a move, then you're going to look to him to be one of your top performers and your most consistent performers in that league to to, to hopefully, you know, maintain Premier League status and, and push towards somewhere near the European um, positions. 
So when you're having the highs and lows of Matias Nunes, that's not what Wolves bought him for. And that's the worry for me is that he's got to become a leader. A co- like For me, Matias Nunes, at his very best, is probably captain of Wolverhampton Wanderers. I think he's got that kind of drive about him and, and push and, and commitment when he is firing. But you cannot be so up and down. And it is his first season. So I'm going to give him, to a certain extent, the benefit of the doubt. But you're full international. You're coming for massive money. You're coming to boss this, you know, boss this club. If you're going to build around Matias Nunes, you've got to, you've got, you need better on a game-to-game basis. Otherwise, you're in a world of trouble again next season. Yeah, you need you need more from him consistently, don't you? And that's um, that's absolutely spot on. It is his first season, so yeah, I think it's an important thing to to mention. And he's also not. I think he was 23 when he signed. He might be 24 now, but. He, He's at an age where he should be doing more consistently and better now, but he's also not a seasoned veteran. So these things are important to, to point out, but he's not going to get that big that big move that, well, essentially he signed for Wolves to do if he's putting in these kind of performances. Um, I also give him a little bit of uh, the benefit of the doubt in that he's being played out of position so regularly at the moment. Um, and yes, we've seen him have good performances out on the right against Chelsea and Brentford, but he's not a winger. He's a number eight. He's a midfielder. He's a box-to-box midfielder. And in, I think he's been a little bit of a victim of circumstance where Wolves are trying to see out games, get results, and he's been shoehorned into the team at the moment. And for me, um, you either don't start him or you play him in his, in his natural position. At the moment, he's suffering because of that. So that's Matthias Nunes. Um, the second person I want to discuss is... Someone had equally as brutal afternoon, uh, and you probably gave him maybe a three out of ten leams, so slightly better, and that's Nelson Samedo. You give him a three. Um, look, you talk about first season syndrome and give him a bit of benefit of the doubt, Matthias News, you can't do that with Nelson Samedo. Nelson Samedo has been at the club for a decent amount of time now. Um, he has had some good games, he had some really good games, but again, woefully inconsistent, had another brutal afternoon and uh, came off just before half time. Look, I I've got to be careful what I say here because, you know, I'm sure that there was a knock involved. He came off. June Lopetegui said that they're going to assess it on Monday. But it was right in front of us, Liam. And I'm sure he did get a knock, 100%. He did get a knock. He, you know, he, he was he was injured. But I've, I don't think he wanted to be on that pitch, Liam, honestly. Like, for me, walking off, his body language... You're 4-0 down, was I think it was 4-0 at the time, or 3 or 4-0. They were getting absolutely overrun. He was having a torrid day. He didn't want to be on there, mate. He was quite happy to walk off there, go down go down the tunnel and not to be seen again. And uh, that was pretty telling to me. Yeah, I mean, I'll slightly disagree because you say woefully inconsistent. And I, in terms of his Wolves career, I completely agree with that. There's, there's no argument against that. I think in the last two months or so, he's actually been very consistent. Um, nothing absolutely outstanding, but nothing to the levels um, that unfortunately at times we've seen Samedo put in. And he was back to his worst, unfortunately, against Brighton. Yeah, and he was one of several players that was. But NCSO, as I mentioned already, an 18-year-old who's not really a winger. I know he can play there, but he's not really a winger. Tore him a new one all, all afternoon that first half. Um, obviously comes off injured. He said he had pain in his knee. Well, Lopetegui said that after the game, he had pain in his knee. Um, you hope it is anything serious, but the attitude, application, it was all it was all wrong, wasn't it? You watch him walk down the tunnel as he came off, and I completely agreed. Looked looked sort of disinterested, really. Um, looked frustrated as well, which you would be with an injury and that performance. Um, but you need to have a lot better from individuals as well as the team. And and Tomato was really really poor. Uh, again, I can name pretty much all of the back four, or certainly three of the four, um, for putting in really p- poor performances. But somehow they definitely didn't help. Killen didn't have his best game, of course, didn't. But the person no, I want to discuss, um, person I want to discuss is, is Jose Salim, and um, I don't know what to make of it. Honestly, I don't. I thought he had a fantastic first season at Wolves. I really did. I thought he was um, an upgrade on Patricio, and <coughs> he has had some. Poor games and some bad moments, whether it's been with goals you should have prevented, with, with shot stopping, with distribution, and another stinker of a game here. Look, when you concede six, you're not going to have a good game. But, you know, a couple of the goals, again, just 
whether it's him not talking to his defence or, or just individual just rushes of blood or bad decisions. But, you know, there's a lot of calls and, you know, I go through them, a lot of calls saying that, that they want Bentley in and that they want Bentley to have a go. Um, I think his position's a bit up for grabs here. And when you say his position's up for grabs, you've got to say that his future potentially is up for grabs here uh, and, and, in, and in considerable doubt because that's not um, the performance that you expect from you know, a guy who's in and around the Portuguese squad non-stop. I know he's, you know, he's still fighting to get some caps, but uh, really out of character performance and really overall a pretty disappointing season from Jose Sarr's point of view. Yeah, no, again, we come back to this key word, consistency, don't we? He's had good games, don't get me wrong. I mean, he had obviously a, a massive mistake against Leicester. By the way, this is in the space of a week, or the example I'm going to give here. Massive mistake against Leicester makes a few really important key saves against Palace's Wolves win and then has this stinker against Brighton. That's within a week. And that really, this week, highlights, sums up his season because he goes from ebbs and flows one week to the next, poor, important, guilty of making mistakes, key in keeping Wolves in a game or getting them a result. Um, and you can't have that from a goalkeeper because, unfortunately, there's one position on the pitch. Mistakes normally lead to goals. A striker can make a mistake and it might not lead to anything. A goalkeeper makes a mistake, your team's in massive trouble normally. So um, it's a high-risk position and he's he's had a poor season by his standards when you consider his first season, which you're, you're spot on by saying was, well, he won player's player and support player of the season. That sums it up, doesn't it? So um, I like Saar. I still like what he brings. But some of the key things that we saw from his first season and some of the key things as to why Wolves signed him in the first place, we've not seen. And two of them are his aggression in the box and his distribution with his feet or, or with his hands. He was meant to be an upgrade on Patricio with his feet. And I think he probably still is because we have to remember how bad Patricio was with his feet. Mm-hmm. Um, first season, Sal was brilliant at that. And then in terms of the aggression, commanding his area, coming for crosses, demanding so much of his defence and getting the, the best out of them. This season looks nervy. Confidence looks shot. Can't kick a ball at the moment. Every, every opportunity he goes to, to, to distribute, whether Wolves are trying to counter or whether Wolves are trying to calm it down, it's out of play. It's to a striker's feet. There's a, there's a mistake uh, almost every 10 minutes at the moment with his performances, and it's really disappointing to see. And as much as I like him as a goalkeeper, and I, and I do think when his confidence is high and he's on he's on song, he, he is a very good goalkeeper. Right now, I for Villa coming up, I would give Bentley a chance, which I didn't think I would say this season. But for me, I, I would give him that opportunity. And whether that's an opportunity to play the next four games and see the season mm-hmm. out as the number one, or whether that is one game, bring Saar back in, take him out the firing line for a little bit, which might be beneficial to him as well. Whichever way you do it, I would give, I would, I would drop Saar for, for Villa um, because I think Bentley's done a lot behind the scenes to help this Wolf squad and he deserves a chance to come in, particularly after a performance like that. And that goes for the other players as well. Nunes doesn't deserve to start after that kind of performance. Samedo may not anyway because of his injury, but there's a few other players you could talk about that don't deserve to start. And just finally on the goalkeeper, just to sum it up, um, I reported back in January uh, before Wolf signed Bentley that they were looking to get a goalkeeper in as more competition uh, in January, which obviously they did and got Bentley in um, and, and obviously moved uh, Sarkic on at the time. Within that same uh, article, I also reported that Wolves would look at potentially doing something in the summer, whether that is a, a, another number one style goalkeeper to either challenge Sar or potentially usurp him, depending on how the season goes. And um, at the moment, Wolves are going to have a decision to make in the summer because Sar's playing for his future, which I didn't think I'd be saying 12 months ago. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting way into bringing Dan Bentley in. I, I agree. And I, and I do think he deserves a chance. It's a really, it's a tough one. I think obviously he's going to have to have sleepless nights here personally. And people might say, what are you talking about? I'd keep, I'd keep Sar in because it is Villa at home. I do. I think you've got to back your players. I think you've got to back, I'm not saying they're in a different, they're in a different league, but like David De Gea has had a lot of criticism this season, and when it comes to the nitty gritty of a massive game, he stuck with him. And I feel like, I feel like, you look at Jose Sar, you go, this is your game here. I want you to, and he, and he has normally when he's had a shock, he's come back and made, you know, had a very important, yeah, that's true. made a couple of big saves at home. I think in the, in the most recent game, I think when they were one nil up, 
Um, I would give him. I would give him Villa, and if he performs well, then I think I think fair enough. And if he doesn't, then I think you give the last three games to Bentley. But I would probably just about keeping in for this one. But it's an interesting. The, the, just just quickly on that as well. The the the, the, the wording you use there is back him, which is the exact wording I used actually in my newsletter comment this morning so maybe you, you've read oh, it and copied me I don't know I haven't um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't subscribe to these <laughs> you, you don't read my stuff um <laughs> no I, and I said that Lopetegui has got a really big decision in a few positions but goalkeeper being one of them as to whether he backs the squad and the and, and some individuals or as to whether he punishes or drops mm-hmm. players after that Brighton performance one of the quotes after the game from Lopetegui was this is a time for me to be close to my players etc etc which indicates that he's not going to drop some of them. Um, but he's also been ruthless at times. He's made a lot of changes at times. And it wouldn't surprise me if Nunez Asar does get punished for, for that kind of performance. So that's going to be one of the biggest uh, interesting decisions for me um, that Lopetegui's got to make ahead of, ahead of Villa. Does he back the players, put his arm around them and give them a chance? Or does he cast them aside <clears> after that performance? I might, get, I might put a little poll out in the next couple of days to see whether it'd be interesting to see what, what the... Um... The spread is on on who who would rather have Sarn, who would have Bentley versus just versus Aston Villa, just at that one-off game and, and see what people would say. Um, I think it'll be pretty close actually, but we'll we'll see. I'll, I'll stick that out in the next couple of days. Um, there's still much so much to talk about. A couple of things. Dave Edwards has had his concern. He said that it's probably helped this result because it's helped Wolves and potentially Lopetegui think about make a clear out in the summer. Now a lot of those players. Um, futures are, are coming towards a, an end anyway. You've got to think that, you know, Neves, etc., Moutinho probably. Um, you know, the way that Adama Tro has been used recently, I think is quite telling in the fact that he's only been coming on for 5, 10, 15 minutes. I think that, you know, I, I did think that they would have a decent chance of signing him. I think that ship might have sailed now just because of his usage um, recently. And so there is going to be a lot of, I guess, those ex-Nuno players, that that core Nuno squad that that, you know, are probably going to have their careers come to an end. Um, have, have Wolves got the ability to have a clear out? Are some of these players are coming for massive money. I don't think you'd be able to get rid of a lot, of, a few of them, or they're not going to be able to just get that kind of money or recoup that kind of money that that uh, that some of them have cost. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because of course, managers are always want to have their take on players and, and get their players in. And look, to all intents and purposes, he got he got his wishes in January, but he'll need to do this again. You will, you know, you're going to have to take if you're backing him two to three more windows before you get the kind of squad that he's happy with. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a, there's, yeah, it's a lot of ifs and buts here, really, mm. for the summer, because you've got players like Matinho and Costa out of contract. Uh, Somedo is as well, but obviously there's a two-year option to, to keep him. And as I've already said, they want to do that, but they need to figure out whether it's financially viable. So that's definitely not a you know a 100% uh, done deal. Um so there's three players potentially out the door. You've then got Pedence is in the final year of his contract. So is Jimenez. Johnny's only got a couple of years left, obviously, isn't being used at the moment. Um, these kind of players potentially... Neves, of course, one year left. And, and whether he'll only go if a club pays the money, because obviously Wolves will keep him if they, if they can. But that's very much dependent on on interest. Um, so you've got players potentially come into the sort of... As the, the phrase I always use, the, the natural end up to the cycle of their Wolves career... Um, and it does feel like obviously Adama as well being one out of contract. So it does feel like there are there is space and room for certain players to move on and that there will be this sort of old guard that will that will move on in the summer. Um, again, a lot of ifs and buts and depending on individuals there as to whether it does happen or not. At the same time, Wolves need to trim the squad a little bit in terms of numbers. Financially, they need to do that to make sure they've got room to make at least a few signings because Lopetegui will want to make additions. Of course, he will. You've then got Kalajic potentially coming back. You've then got Fabio potentially coming back from loan. You've got a lot of, and, and, and within that, you've got the financial side of things and the size of the Premier League squad. Obviously, there's the limit for foreign players. All of these factors combined means that Wolves have got, there's a lot of wiggle room uh, and a lot of decisions to make in terms of the squad. But they've also got to balance the books because they've mm-hmm. spent a hell of a lot of money in the last two windows. We're mm-hmm. talking 200 million or so in the last two windows. Wolves are not in a position to go out and spend that kind of money again. Now, no. I'll use it, I, I use this example quite a lot, but I'll use it again. Wolves obviously are really interested in, in Alex Scott at Bristol City. They were going to try and move him in January. Couldn't make it work. Obviously, they've got a lot of midfielders as well. But Bristol City are looking at sort of 25 million for him, which is probably more than what Wolves would want to pay for him. 
However, Moutinho's wages are a lot more than Alex Scott's. They could bring him in on and, and pay a fee for him, bring him in on less wages, and it would be similar to re-signing Moutinho yeah. for another year because of the wages he's on. So there are things they can make it work financially, and, and it's not just as black and white as paying a transfer fee, paying course, wages. There's, there's ways of working it around business-wise. But Nelson Semedo as well. Like I know you say he's a two-year deal, but he's on massive money. He's on massive money. money. Yeah. So you, to, another example there, you could bring a, a right back in for maybe 50 million and sign them on lower wages, or you re-sign re uh, or take the option upon Semedo's two-year contract option um, because he's on such high wages. So there are there are there's wiggle room in terms of bringing signings in and, and making and making movements with the squad. And obviously, as I say, Lobtigi will want to bring signings in, but Wolves are not in a position to be able to have a real high net spend. So the numbers of ins and outs will depend really on a lot of these players moving on, whether that's contracts coming to an end, whether it's players with one year left getting moves elsewhere. And they might not get a lot of money for some of these players either, but just getting them wages, um, getting them off the wage bill might help them to bring signings in. So there is room to make things happen, but Wolves are not in a position to be able to spend a real huge chunk of change on for, for net spend. And, um, and it's going to be a really difficult balance for Wolves to strike in the summer um, for all of those reasons combined. So we may see a, a good number in or out, but in terms of net spend, Wolves are not going to be spending 100 plus million again. It's, it's, it's almost impossible for them to do it and, and yeah. stick stick within the rules uh, and keep Wolves the, the wild run club they have been because Wolves have been very good at staying within their budgets and within their limits. Um, and they can't afford to be a club that, that starts to to dip out of those those limits for short-term success. You want it to be a long-term, st stable project. Oh, look, all fans want Wolves to spend 100, 150 million. I get it. They want they want new signings here, there, and everywhere. But I completely agree, and I, I'd be more I'd be more concerned if they did do if they did do that than they didn't. They've got to they've got to accumulate some money here in sales, and then they can spend that. But I think that I completely understand, and I, I agree with what you're saying, Lynn. There's not going to be net spend of of three three figures in in you know 100 150 million pounds it's not going to happen but i do think that wolves will get a decent amount in salary back in with with players leaving with you know with with a few player sales as well um periphery players as well you know who who might get a little you might get a little bit of money i'm not saying massive money but 8 to 10 million pounds for players you know um even players that aren't with the club, you know, Ryan Giles, et cetera, you know, is he going to have a future, but he's going to command a decent amount on the, you know, on the track, not, not huge money, but you talk about someone like Alex Scott at 20, 25 million, let's say you get him for 20 million. You know, if you've got half of that with a sale of Ryan Giles, if he's not seen to be, have a future at the football club, you know, that's not, that's not a bad little bat, you know, income or you get a little bit of a bidding war between a couple of players, you know, Wolves have still got some very good players. There will always be clubs that will look to see the quality that they've got. Okay. They might not have hit the heights at Wolves, but, There'll always be chance to uh, turn it around, and there will be some value there. So it's a very interesting summer. And Lopetegui's got a lot of a lot of work to do, and I think he's I think he will have made his mind up on a lot of players. And I think there's some players that he probably thought would be within next year, where he's like, well, I'm going to have to take a look at you now. I'm going to have to really dig deep because I can't mess about here. But the most important thing is Lopetegui is the man at the helm. He's going to be the one to to bring this team forward. Now he made mistakes, Liam. He made mistakes on Saturday. He's made mistakes. You know, of course he has, like I said, every manager. But and I tweeted this the other day, some of the some of the Lopetegui slander, and I know the people who are negative kind of, you know, are almost like the ones who who are the loudest on, on social media, but some of them calling for his head and he's not the guy and and you know, get this fraud out of our club. And I'm like, are you I feel like some fans are just you shouldn't have nice things in life, you know, like <laughs> do, do you realize, do you realize what this guy has done when he took over. And actually, when you look at that side, you look at that performance against Brighton, and you, people say, oh, well, Wolves were too good to go down. He took a team. Everybody knew they were too good to go down. Well, that's why they would have gone down, because that was a performance like a, under Bruno or Steve Davis. You know, these, these were the kind of performances why this team would have definitely gone down. They were going down. And it kind of, you know, I didn't think we were going back to that levels, but those were the levels on Sunday. They were going down. So the fact that, you can question this manager with what he's done when Wolves are 20, 20th out of 20 in the Premier League and turned them around and, and virtually made them safe with five games to go. Yes, I know, but whatever, it's not mathematically safe, but they are safe. And, you know, Leicester, all the other teams are being each other while drawing with each other. 
and Wolves will need a couple more points, I'm sure, and I'm sure they'll pick up a couple more points. I'm pretty, still pretty confident they'll get to 40 points lean between now and the end of the season. But to question a manager, I'm like, what? what who do you really want? Uh, are these the kind of people who are looking for a, a Tuchel or a Pochettino and these ridiculous targets? Because this is this has been such a coup to get Lopetegui. And yes, I understand that there's frustrations there, but to question the guy at the helm um, from from a long-term point of view is absolutely incredible to me. I know it's a different set of circumstances, but let me use another club as as an example to answer this. Look at Leeds United today. Mm -hmm. Big Sam, baby. Yeah, I know. Harry Grassi, who, by the way, I, I was never particularly convinced by. I know, I know they've obviously beaten us twice this season, but I was never convinced by him coming in on, on the short term anyway. And with four games to go, they're bidding him off and bringing Sam Allardyce in to try and save their season. Um, that could and probably would have been Wolves um, at some point this year, because without a doubt, this squad that is absolutely too good to go down was going down. They were 100%. bottom of the league, bottom of the league, 10 points from 15 games. They were absolutely dire and they were they were, they were going to be relegated. Um, this man's come in. He's obviously had a lot to lot of uh, movement in the transfer window. He's been backed in January. So that, that's a factor. Of course it is. But they've backed him. He's a manager that is too good to be a relegation candidate manager in the Premier League. And regardless of the mistakes, he's got... You just look at the you know the, the points before and the points after. He's got Wolves into a position where they're sort of top 10 form-wise since he's come in um, overall and should stay up fairly comfortably. I'm going to you know, be careful the way the way I phrase that with four games to go. But, like, you know, I would, I would, as the same as you, expect them to stay up. And he's done that from Wolves' bottom at Christmas to 14th as it stands right now. Um, could and should have been a bit higher probably or at least on more points with certain games that have gone by. But... They've got themselves in a brilliant position. And, and Lopetegui has almost called for a bit of perspective recently. The last few press conferences we've had with him, he's keep, he keeps saying, look back on where we were four months ago. We we had no hope. We were down. And now we've got a little bit of hope. It's, it's a bit more than a little bit, as, as we both believe. But they're in a, such a better position than when he first came in. And, and the idea of, of getting rid of him on the back of one very, very poor performance and result, don't get me wrong, but the idea of getting rid of him on the back of that is ludicrous. Um Next season is obviously a big a, a big test, and he's he's obviously got to do well because footballers football managers are judged on, on on performances and results. But he's done a wonderful job at getting Wolves out of the shit. Let's be honest, let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Wolves were absolutely, absolutely going down, and they're absolutely, I believe, going to stay up now. Yeah, yeah, well said. Um... Right. Um, sorry it took so long to kind of, but there's so, so many talking points in and around the game. It wasn't just the game itself. And look, it's a miserable diet game, so we don't want to move on. But at the same time, we've got to analyse it. So it's all good. I expect this to be the, the, the most doom and gloom podcast probably of the year as well. So, you know, people have either, you know, turned off 15 minutes ago or they're still they're still kicking on and um, and hoping for Kellen Toasterman readout, which is what's coming out now, baby. Because, Liam, how would you like, let's go to... Um, I tell you what, summer's coming up, Liam, and the energy costs are still high, as I found out on my bill, although I was explaining, I don't understand all the energy stuff, mate, but I, apparently it's coming down at some point, um, but not as not as quickly as I wanted it to. However, how would you like in your little house that you will be moving into very, very soon, a Beldre 4-in-1 air cooler heater humidifier, which is very important. Very important, uh, particularly when you don't like opening windows and mm. mold starts to form danger. Oh no. Oh no. Have you got that going on? Um, not really, but it's been a it's been an ongoing battle where sometimes you, you know you've got to fight against it because I don't think the insulation is particularly good in our rented accommodation. No, uh, no, I get on a landlord, mate. Don't want to be doing that. I don't want to be breathing in those fumes. Um, four in one air cooler, heater, humidifier, and air purifier. So you wheel these in. Actually, we've got one of these for the dogs. Um, to have in the in the living room when it's just because you know because you know I uh, don't know do you get a little bit of hay fever in the summer a bit of pollen high pollen not really but uh, Rosie does Rosie does okay so have one of these bad boys and look, normally you get charged 199 pounds 200 250 quid this is the top of the range Beldway Ford One air cooler heater humidifier 91 pounds at your door now you can go with a fan if you want to go with a fan you go with a fan they've got them all the way down to 11 pounds here 16 31 depending on how you want to go but this 
we've got almost identical. You wheel it in, you wheel it out, you can move into different rooms. Uh, your room is cold, 18, 18 and a half, 19 degrees, as I like it when I go to sleep within 10, 15 minutes. It's a no-brainer, pal. I mean, that for that price as well, top draw. You can't go wrong. Get involved, baby. Right, competitions um, with our friends at footballprizes.co.uk. Not many of these are going to be um, available soon because some of these players will not be signing it as of next season. So get yourself on a Wolves 2022-2023 squad signed shirt. There's also a Jao Gomez signed shirt that's available. 149 tickets, £3.95. Closes tomorrow, Wednesday, the 3rd of May, 7.30pm. 95 tickets out of 149 have been sold. How many tickets are left, Liam? Uh, could you give me those numbers again, please? 95 have been sold out of 149. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> Come on. Okay. 100... 95 out of 149. Stop stalling. 54. Hey! Get that man on the 1% club on ITV. Oh, wow. by the way, I'm actually class at the 1% club. I'm not even Are joking. you? Are you? Me and Rosie watched it the, uh, last week and I got down to the 5% question. Really? I'm, 5% I'm a genius. Question. A fair play, mate. That's very good. With four passes, a top draw. Just, top the, just draw. the one pass, mate. We play to the rules. <laughs> right, should we take some questions from the beautiful people? Let's do it. Okay. Um, loads of people. Uh, Jason Guy, Andy Smith. Who else? Uh, I'm going to give them a shout out to before I scroll down. Paul Nichols. Um, yeah, I mean, loads saying, do you drop? Sarfa Bentley on Saturday. So we've kind of discussed it. You say, well, what would you do, by the way? I'm not saying Lopsy, what would you do? Would you drop Sarfa Bentley? I'm I'm going to keep with Sar. What would you do? Uh, I don't think he will, but I would. Oh, you think that he's you think that he will drop him? No, no, I don't think he will, but I would do it. Oh, you would do, you would drop him I for would. Saturday. Okay. Yeah, I think but, I think even even just taking him out of the firing line for one game. Um I know Villa at home, big derby. It's, it's a difficult one to take him out, but I, I, I think he would. I think he's he's been too inconsistent. Do you see Dan Bentley as a realistic possibility to be Wolves' number one next season? It's a tough one because I think off the pitch, he's offered a lot, especially in the dressing room, more of a sort of ruddy type player again um, in, well, in terms of character and obviously influence, uh, leadership, etc., um, but he's, he's not played the Premier League before. Uh, I don't think it's impossible for him to do well for Wolves in the Premier League. I don't think it's a long-term solution, if I'm honest. So that's why the summer could be an interesting one there as well, but uh, probably not. And that's why I wouldn't start him against Aston Villa. I w- I, like I said, I would start him in the other three games, if and when, depending on how, how the game goes. But for me, if he was a legitimate... I agree with what you're saying, exactly what you're saying. That's why if he was a legitimate first team starting option for next season, then I think he comes in for this game. But I don't believe he is. I believe that if Jose Sarr leaves the club, and I'm not saying that he will, but if he does, they will bring in a number one keeper. Okay, to rival Bentley, but he'll be the number, there'll be a number one, new number one keeper next season. So for that reason, I stick with Jose Sarr. John Charlesworth, why did so much go wrong on Saturday? Given our difficult fixture list ahead of us and our atrocious record of gifting bottom place teams three points, is it quite feasible that we could finish May without gaining a single point? Um, it's feasible. Uh, <laughs> and and if, I don't want to be too um, too calm about the, the relegation situation, but Wolves could probably lose the next four and still stay up, which yeah. sounds sounds insane, but they probably could. Um I don't think they will, though. I think they'll get a couple results and a couple points at least. They've obviously been much better at home, um, so I think they'll get some results. Absolutely. Where's it, where's it going wrong? Uh, well, in terms of the last game, I'll just come back to my earlier points. I think it was uh, overthought, uh, complicated, needless to change the system, um, and, uh, and yeah, I think obviously he just overthought the uh, the situation and, and made too many changes. Jason Massey, given the amazing turnaround in fortune since Julian Lopetegui took over, is it a bit of a worry that we still are absolutely, utterly hopeless away from home? Should Lopetegui default to a back three on the road? Two wins away from home all season, isn't it? Um, It's definitely not good enough. Default to a back three, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. What we have seen consistently away from home, not every single week, but the majority, has been 
a 4-2-3-1 or four midfielders or something along those lines. And for me, it hasn't worked almost every single opportunity. And most of those have been Moutinho starting as a, as a 10. Obviously, he's not been recently. But for me, it's been too negative. That's the over, that's the overriding uh, concern for me away from home. It's been too negative, too desperate to, to see out results. And Wolves earlier in the season were out of position or in a position rather where they needed to drag some points out of games away from home and needed to be a bit more negative. They're not really in that position now, I don't think. So in some of the games coming up, albeit the two away games are, are difficult against United and Arsenal, um, I think they can be a little bit more positive. But mm-hmm. it's something to address, definitely. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people, brothers, David, uh, Greg Ellis, kind of asking about contracts, who's going to leave it in the season. Do you think Nuno's core squad? But we've kind of discussed those, I think, in our discussions in the earlier on in the podcast. So hopefully we've answered them. Ronan Gibbons, interesting question. How many players who started on Saturday start the first game of next season? Good cool. question. I like it. Let's run well, let's through the starting through, lineup. Let's, let's go, go through the, the 11 lineup. then. Okay. We'll, we'll, say, we'll both say yes or no. Yeah, so you give, you give the starters and we'll both say yes or no. Jose Sarr. No. Ooh. <laughs> I'm also going to say no. Okay. Keep going. I was, I was really close. It was a close one. But I was it's a close one. Yeah, it's a great it's a really start. I like one. it. I like, I like the game already. Now Quick game's Samedo. a good game, though. Quick game's a good game. Yes. Nelson Samedo, right back. No. Oh, he's gone for it. I'm going to, even though there's definitely concerns over, obviously, the finances there, I'm going to just go yes, because the club want to keep him. I think Lopetegui likes him, so I'm going to just go yes. Okay. Dawson. Yes. I agree, yes. Kilman. Yes. I agree, yes. Uh, Bueno, left back. Yes. Ooh, starts the first game next. I'll, I'll go yes as well. I'll go yes as well. Oh, interesting, interesting. Um, we then got Lamina. Yes. I agree, yes. Neves. No. I'll go no, because obviously it's likely he goes. Mm-hmm. But if he's, a, if he's at the club, definitely yes, but it depends. Um, the Chao Gomez. Yes. I agree. Uh, yes, I no, think he starts, I, yes. Yeah, I yeah. say yes, yeah. Nunes. Yes. I'll go yes as well on that one, I think. Okay. Neto. Mm-hmm. I can give you mine if you want first. You're going to say yes. No, I, I would say no. Oh, really? I'm going to say yes. Really? Why would you say no? I'd say he's in the squad. I don't think he starts. Okay. I think it's a big year for Pedro Neto next year. I think he was on right. the pitch against Brighton um, for Wolves' point of view, not for not overall. Um, I think that if Lopetegui trusts him and he gets a full preseason under his belt, I think that he could be one of the the main stars of next year. I think he starts. I think he gives him the start. He says, "You're my guy this year. Go go and play and go and you know go and make make sure that you're." You own that shirt and you're one of the first names on my team shirt. I'm going to say yes. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, before he's got, he's last... got to stay injury-free. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I like that in this game, I have to be the one to name the place because you definitely can't remember what the starting level was. Oh, um, no idea, mate. I didn't get <laughs> there until until 2.59, remember? True. Uh, final player, Diego Costa. For me, it's no. a no. No. There you go. No. Um, no, but is, he, is it a yes or a no? I'll, I'll extend it just for one more for the game. Yes or no, Diego Costa's in the Wolves squad next season? No. I'm going to say yes, still. You love Moving him. on. Good game, though. Enjoy that game. Uh, which beach do you think Wolves are on, says James Luke? All of them. Brighton Na- Beach? Name a beach. They were there. <laughs> Scarborough. Every, everyone possible. <laughs> Luke Perry says, is Neves' time up with Wolves? Uh, if we are to move forward next season, one of our best ever players, but the last three games he's played... We do seem to sit back and invite pressure. We look more fluid without him, in my opinion. Unfortunately, is it time to move on? Um, Wolves definitely played differently with with him than without him. Um, I, I think it's impossible to argue against that. But considering his quality, considering the kind of performances we've seen from him, even this season when Wolves have been 
poor pretty much from start to finish this year. He's had nine out of ten games this season at times where he's dragged the wall through to results. Um, his quality, his leadership, one of the best players to pull on a Wolves shirt. Certainly the best one in, well, for a generation at least. Um, if the Wolves, if Wolves have an opportunity to keep him, you keep him. A player like that, you don't, you don't allow to leave if you have the opportunity to keep him. Um, but Wolves are a team that will allow players to move on for the right money. He's been well, meaning to go for a couple of years now, and it hasn't happened. If if a club comes in um, and he wants to go, Wolves will will try and facilitate that. Um, but if not, they'll keep hold of him. A French Wolf. He's got two questions. Do you want to answer question one or question two? I'll go for question two. How many signings do you reckon we'll make this summer? He's, he predicts six to eight. Uh, I'll go with question one then. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> um, I can't, I can't put a number on it. For the reasons we've just spoken about, it, it, mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of ifs and buts, really. It's to do with the, the financially size of the squad, where the players move on contract-wise or end of contract, whatever it is. There's a lot of moving parts here as to whether Wolves make four signings, mm-hmm. six signings, or two. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it could be, it could be a wide range of numbers. So, um, I hope that it explains it well enough without me being sort of committed yeah. on a number. Um, Tyler says, from the three teams you expect to go down, would you consider the likes of Vazanu from Southampton or any of the keepers with the recent goalkeeping concerns? Um, I don't mind him as a goalkeeper. I think he's, I think he's all right. I think if you're just looking at goalkeepers. Out of the clubs that are likely to go down, or at least in that sort of race to go down, the number one out of those, without a doubt, has got to be Pickford at Everton, hasn't it? It's got mm-hmm. to be out of the, out of those teams going down. Um, but would Wolves get him? I, I think that's unlikely. Um, but it does look it does look now like it's it those clubs. Through, it I'm sure he's I'm sure he's great for your club. It just kind of rubs me the wrong way, Pickford. <laughs> one of those things I mean, you can't explain it's just I don't know not, not I think it. it's maybe just I don't know it's just like you know the odds save at the end of the game and he's rolling down or he's celebrating and it's just like an easy save and I'm so, I, go, I don't know I don't know I'll say that and he'll sign him and then I'll have to have an awkward situation with him in South Korea over a pot of noodles Buzzing. Um, but uh, yeah I can't wait no no a good, really, really good keeper made a good save last night or a terrible penalty by the way from Madison Crikey um, but uh, anyway, with four games to play, says Wayne, how many points realistically do you think Wolves can pick up? I will go with... Well, they can realistically pick up 12, but... Well, um, they can, they can. Uh, and, I'm going to go, you know, go on, see if you're the same as me. I, I was going to say four. I'm going to say four as well. Yeah. Which, say four as well. Which would be more than enough. Uh, 41 points, absolutely. Which club do you think Connor Cody will be at on the 1st of September 2023? Give me one club. So I, I I could slightly copy someone here, but um, I actually thought oh. it was quite a good shout. Someone replied to this tweet um, saying Sheffield United. Okay. Considering he was there, uh, I think he was there on loan, wasn't he, before mm-hmm. he joined Huddersfield from Liverpool. Um, obviously, they've just been uh, promoted as well, haven't they? So yeah. that's actually not a bad shout. A promoted team coming up, a club he already knows. I think that's actually not a bad idea. Um, I, I think it's unlikely to be Wolves, but stranger things have happened. So... Again, purely off speculation and just you know predicting the future. Sheffield United feels like quite a good choice, particularly if Everton go down. But he's not, he's not even been played at the moment at Everton anyway. So no. um, if Deitch isn't fancying him, then he then he may not they might, may not take the option on him. Yeah, I'm similar, but I'm I'm going Burnley for me. I think um, I think whoever he goes into will be they'll, they'll want him. I think he comes in straight as club captain. I don't think it'll be Wolves. I don't think it'll be Everton. Um, and I think he'll want to stay close to Merseyside and and pretty close to to his family and not be, I assume he'll be, you know, along the likes of a Sheffield United, but I think probably Burnley, but a bit closer, um, depending on where the company's there, but I think he'll want someone like that with the experience. So Burnley for me, but again, we're, we're along the same, same lines of thought here, I think. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, it's probably the kind of club you do pretty well at. Yeah, geographically for his family, things like that, I think it makes sense. Um, Andrew Hadfield says, your PR specialist is Carolina from Succession. This will go over your head. Uh, once it, you know, succession situation. Saturday's dribbling was a short-term disaster, but can it help us in the long run? Because, I, to be fair, I'm not a Carol. I, I want more. I want more Jerry to be my uh, to be my PR um, guru. So I'm going to say Jerry, and I'm going to say it's going to be. Uh, it's not a disaster because June Lopetegui will have made his mind up on certain players where he was on the fence with, and he will now know whether they're staying or going. 
at the end of the season on that display. What's your positive? Um, I, I agree with yours, but I'll also say some some promising signs with Neto, maybe getting him getting him closer to to where we know he can be. Um, he was definitely yeah. the best of a bad bunch. Um, looked more dangerous than than he has done for a while, and much better than players around him. Yeah, uh, Stephen Knight's uh, question was uh, tickled me. To be fair, um, he's he's from Cyprus as well. It's, it's a lovely place. Stephen, appreciate you know, your hospitality in your beautiful country. And it's, 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 it's a Marvy Marvy Hotel. It's very nice. Anyway, Luke, Mr. Luke Hatfield was here for drinks last night, so um, not feeling too good for the night before. I must say, heavy night for the old uh, the old groom to be. Uh, he said, my question would be, I'll let this tickle me, why 4-3-3? We should fix something that wasn't broken. I'll tell you what, I play 4-4-3. Wolves have got a chance. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they they might have a slight advantage there. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, brilliant. Right, OK, Aston Villa on Saturday. We both said that out of coming out of this game, that this actually is a pretty good fixture just to get your mentality right, to get yourself focused, uh, you know, a, a local derby and... and you know, Villa, of course, flying at this moment in time. And Wolves will want, especially at Molyneux, to create a bit of a cauldron atmosphere. And there's going to be, hopefully, a reaction. And if there is a reaction in the derby, I think this is the perfect way. If you can't get yourself up for that, then you shouldn't be at the football club. Uh, interesting one. I, I, I'm actually quite positive on this, actually. Um, I think there will be changes, Liam, but maybe not the plethora that people are expecting. I, I, I would assume that that Cunha will come back into... So Cunha and Costa will, will start together if fit and available do you think the same or would you go do you think Sarabia the likes of Sarabia Pedence gets a little bit more of a nod here but for me it's Cunny and Costa if they're both fit and of course they've got the full week now to recover ready for ready for that game on Saturday yeah I uh, I think it has to be those two um Costa was was isolated didn't put in a good performance against Brighton came off at half time but he wasn't you know at fault necessarily I think as I say isolated I didn't think the players around him helped him um, so I don't think he can necessarily be punished for not uh, by by not starting. So I think he I think he does. Cooney didn't play at all against Brighton. Didn't didn't come off the bench either. Be very surprised if he doesn't start. I would I would expect Neto keeps his place after that performance, and I would expect that Nunes probably plays out on the left again. So it's going back to the four four two, which I think a lot of people would welcome. Um, decisions to make elsewhere on the pitch. I, what I think Lopetegui will do, I think he keeps this, uh, the same uh, goalkeeper and back four if Samedo is fit. If he mm-hmm. doesn't... Yeah, what do you do with... I mean, if he doesn't, are we looking at Lembekisa? Are we, look, are we looking at um, like a Nathan we're Collins? At, we're looking at Johnny. Wow, OK. Out of nowhere. That's where it's got to be. He, he, if, he, if he doesn't play Johnny, I know he's not been in the squad, but if you don't play mm. the only other senior right back and you play either a centre-back or a young kid, but by the way, he's done very well when he has played, mm. um, ahead of him, um, then we know we know what's going on there, don't we? I mean, well, I, of course. I think Johnny's time, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, probably is up anyway. But Agreed. Um, that would be a damning indictment for him, wouldn't it? And it has to be him coming in, I think, if if Samedo, uh, if Samedo isn't fit to play. But if he is fit, I think he keeps the same back four and and and, uh, and Sar plays as well um, with probably Lamina and Go- and, uh, and Neves in midfield, which means Gomez drops out to the bench. Um, so I'm not actually. By that prediction, I'm expecting a change in formation, but actually only one change in terms of the starting eleven, which would be which would be quite incredible, really, because mm. you would you would expect probably more. But looking at all of the cases individually, I don't think he will drop Nunes or Saar, even though I would probably I probably would after that performance. Um, and just that just that one change by bringing Cunha in and dropping Gomez means a massive change in the formation and the system. And that for me is probably a, a bigger positive or talking point than the, than the 11 itself and would hopefully hopefully give Wolves enough of a, an opportunity to get a result. Yeah, Villa are going to be a difficult game, but I think, bizarrely enough, they'll, they out of those four points we both predicted, they get one of them against Aston Villa on Saturday. I think they dent Villa's European title or European ambitions. I think that's it's a one-one draw for me, Liam, and we'll go with you for the um, for the quiz, and also for you. Let's not go crazy, sweetheart. For how much merchandise coinage we are giving the correct peep? Well, I will go Desmond. Oh, Desmond, baby! 
2-2. I can see that too, uh, actually, to be honest. And the prize... £52. £52. £52 to the lucky winner. Liam will collect them before kickoff, And... It will be getting £52 if it finishes Desmond 2-2. Um, I'm sorry, Peaks, that this has been a bit of a, a miserable podcast, so to speak. But, um, look, hopefully you understand that we've got to discuss this. Uh, it's our jobs to do it. And we'll hopefully have a bit more of a light-hearted, free and sexy and flighty episode for you next week as we build up to episode 300 in the Sir Jack Hayward suite at the Molyneux. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. Um, just... All the same. It's okay. Worst things happen at sea. From me, from Keno, have a great weekend. Take care. Bye-bye.